podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Peace. This is Justice Raji, host and creator of the Ask Your Old Head podcast. And this episode is my official 2021 uh, kickoff of the core Ask Your Old Head podcast episodes um, in that, um, you know, it's not me and Majestic today. It's me and the good brother um, who I had the pleasure of interviewing Keith Mathical. Keith is um, an actor, a creator, a healer, as I see it. Um, he's starring in a great live performance called The Triggered Life. And let me say better, a multi-century, multimedia, post-traumatic story. Um, it's playing here in Portland at the Portland Playhouse uh, starting actually today through April 4th. Uh, you know, I will let, you know, Keith get into more of the science and the details of that. But if you um, enjoy our conversation, are intrigued, and you want to learn more, please hit the links in the show notes and go get yourself a ticket. I mean, it's it's set up and um, ready to go so that, you know, anyone can connect, you know, pricing available so that all, all uh, walks of life can engage. But it's really, really important content, you know, looking at how sexual trauma uh, and the culture and values that... Um, you know, teaches men to suppress their vulnerabilities, you know, lead to great harm in men's lives, especially men who have been harmed and been victimized and been traumatized, you know, and most often by ones that they love or close to them and um, how we deal with that. But, you know, I'm going to let, I'm gonna let the, the, the art speak for itself. And I'm going to ask you to tune in, hit the links, listen to our conversation. And if you, if you're more intrigued, you know, follow up. I'll also have some links on where you can find Keith and his other creative works right there in the show notes. So without any more rip rap from me, let's get into the show. Peace. Peace. This is the Ask Your Old Head podcast. And today my guest is Keith Maskell, uh, actor, artist, uh, healer. Is that fair? You, you can say, you can say that. I mean, I'll take, I, I'll take that. I'm getting some healing energy from the work you're doing, Lisa. So I'm going to that's that. out there. And, um, and I'm happy to welcome uh, to the show or uh, to the podcast to this evening. I also have a whole thing about the timing and, and uh, when I like to record and I like to record when we can make it happen. But um, enough of me talking. Keith, how are you doing tonight? Man, I'm, you know, I'm blessed. I'm a little tired just because we're doing a lot of work, uh, but uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be here and be here in Portland. So um, I think maybe to get us started, um, you know, you're you're here in the city, doing uh, performing uh, your play or the, the play uh, co-written by. Hold on, I have my notes in front of me. Uh, John Alawalia Deckerjack. Peace. Yes. <laughs> and um, could you just tell, just uh, quickly, or in whatever amount of time it takes, you know, the basics of what the Trigger Life Project uh, is about? So we have. Um, so uh, my name is Keith Maskell. 
Um, I'm also a sneakerhead as well, besides those, those other things the brother said. Um, but um, in terms of the Trigger Project, we have three we have three aspects of it. I have a one man show called Triggered Life, uh, which is here now, um, and it is part of our mission. Uh, we are shattering the silence, nurturing the healing of Black and Brown male survivors with the use of art. And I'm a survivor of uh, abuse myself, and I'm using my art to tell my story, but also to help other people. So we're here with Triggered Life, which tells part of my story um, as a survivor. And also I play another character called Ishmael, and he's a composite of interviews from uh, Black men and uh, also um, a little bit sprinkled in there is also from a little bit from what people have told me. A lot of people, since I've been doing this work, have disclosed to me. And so we add a little bit of that in the show as we continue to move. Um, the show is approximately, the experience is an hour and a half. Built into that is the act two, which is a uh, trauma-informed talkback that's led by um, my wife, Roxanne, who is a psychotherapist and social worker. Um, what's unique about what we brought to Portland is that it is a brand new style that no one has ever seen before because it's a motion picture uh, live stage hybrid. And so parts of it has been filmed, you know, 6K, like a motion picture. But we also have two cameras in the room uh, for the live portion. But it's going to look more like TV than like when people just stick two cameras in a room and do record and just do theater and right, just go right, from right. wide and then like close right. like that's it like no like that's not right exactly exactly like it's not going to be like that so um it's it has a you know it has a different feel to it and um that was just important for for myself and for john as we're always trying to push things to the next level right but mm -hmm. as we think about zoom and we think about how things are presented we wanted to bring something to our people in a different way. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Than the regular, because that wasn't going to make it. Oh, yeah. So, um, so we're bringing this new style right now. And we're really excited about that. Um, and, uh, we opened this week, uh, the 18th and, uh, we'll be going till January 4th at the uh, Portland playhouse. Uh, -huh. uh, the other aspect is, is I have a podcast with myself and my wife, uh, Roxanne and, uh, we wanted to be able to take, you know, my story to the next level. So I decided that we were going to do a podcast and we we're going to talk about what it's like to be for me to be a survivor. Um, she has trauma history as well to be in this long term relationship and marriage and how we figure it out. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a lot of fun and make jokes and, and all kind of stuff. But we felt like there wasn't anything else out there like it. You know, we felt like it could be really helpful for us to talk about um just how we deal you know what i mean people are triggered all the time in relationships it's not something that people talk about like you know it's almost like why is she tripping you know and things <laughs> like that but not to the point that maybe something happened to make her react in a certain way and maybe it ain't got nothing to do with you mm -hmm. you know what Absolutely. i'm saying but then how do you right but then how do you have that conversation right right how do you how do you have that conversation you know with your boo or whatever you know and uh, whoever you roll with um, and talk about what triggers you. 
right? Or what your or what your things are, or what to look out on, look out for, and stuff like that. My wife and I sometimes have arguments, and we realize that they ain't got nothing to do with either one of them. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we'll be like, why are we arguing? We don't even need to be arguing, right? Like this, like this has nothing to do with us. You know what? I are we good? Because I don't have an issue with you, and I'm really not upset at you. So if mm-hmm. I raise my voice, you know what I'm saying? That's on me. I apologize. Like, we good? Right. She'd be like, Yeah, we good. We good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or it happens, you know, the other way. So, um, so I, I think it's important. Um, so even in the title, you know, triggered life, and 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 was there any thought? Because I feel like, especially over the last. Really over the last three or four years, you know, sort of the there has been at least a, an attempt when you're speaking about someone being triggered, like in, in the right. media, like kind of to almost discredit the idea that you right. should be, you know, because like kind of the other side of that safe place conversation right. is sort of like deriding the idea. So, you know, is there something that you could speak to or is there any intention in in in, in calling it the trigger life to, to kind of to, to bring some positive intention or some thought to the concept of being triggered like was that in oh, there no. most definitely even down to our website you know our website is www.triggered1.com because i'm a triggered one mm-hmm. right i'm living the triggered life i live the triggered life every single day mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying where where things are happening and, and you know there's a lot of stuff happening and I react to that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So that that's the reason why we wanted to call it also the triggered project, you know, and the logo is specific to, uh, you know, it's happened to be my head and stuff with a brain and, and, and things like that, because, um, you know, there is, and this is something that we kind of have in the show as well, as well being, you know, multi-sensory, right? We're, we want to show actually, the feeling and expression, but sometimes also what happens in the brain as well with the colors and the things that we use and the projection, because we want people to, to, to kind of see what that process is. Um, it's not something that, you know, we are able to break it down to what happens. Um, but, you know, a memory, a word, a smell takes us back in so many different ways. And it can be a positive way that you can get triggered to a great memory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's a duality. There's a duality is that too, which, you know, when you see it, when you see the show and stuff like that, it's, you know, it's a part when dude talks about, you know, running the bodega when he found some change in the street, you know, mm-hmm. back then you could buy a ring par for a quarter. And now I charge you 50 cents or something outrageous like that. Right. right, they play right. Spanish music <laughs> in the bodegas all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Where's that going to take you back from being, in, you know, being from Jersey? That's gonna take you back right. to that area, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna yeah, be like, you're damn, you're gonna be able to smell the street. You're gonna be able to smell <laughs> the bodega, right? And your friends, as you ran from the basketball court, and you all stinking and whatever. Like you're gonna have all these memories, and and you know what I mean. You're gonna have that. All that's gonna come back, and that's important. Uh, that uh, we use, you know, we're using that word, um, and it is kind of a buzzword in some ways. But we, you know, we kind of we clarify it. Indeed, you know. indeed. Well, I always think in in our society, like concepts get out there, right? They get out there in the world, and right. And I always say, like, an idea can take on a life of its own, and it's right. kind of the responsibility the responsibility of those who know what it's about to yes. try to pre preserve the yes meaning, right? And and yes, and we've been in a you know, thankfully, I've had the opportunity to kind of 
interface with you a couple times since you know prior to getting here and since you got here and we had you in the town hall last right. week. and um something i wanted to share is you know um with the multi-century reality like you know my father uh passed when i was really young when i was five i'm sorry to hear that no, no thank you and there are certain things that give me like take me back to like that day i don't remember everything that happened that mm. day but right. i know that those things happened in that window right there's right. The, there's a smell that i, I, mm. I to my life me i can't i can't explain the smell i, I call mm. it it's a sort of a plasticky smell but it's not a plasticky mm. smell that i remember smelling in the basically somewhere within the window when my father had a heart attack um mm. there's a stephanie mills song that now it doesn't do it as much, but for a long time, I would just get the uh, the wild sadness <laughs> when mm. it came on. Because I, because mm. for however it happened, those mm. two things were associated, right? Mm. Um, so when I first started learning about biopsychology and the relationship between the brain and 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 your feelings and the, the role your amygdala plays and memory and all that stuff, as I got older, when I got in college and after, it was like, oh, that's why I'm feeling how I'm feeling when certain things happen, right? And and I, right. and I don't think many of us realize how many things um, are happening in our lives that are like, I'm upset right now. I don't really know why I'm upset. And right. so then, you know, you might, you know, come at your partner, you might come at your friend, right. you might go get into something in the street. Right. But it, it didn't have anything to do with that person. It has That's to do right. with something that you were reliving. Um, That's right. Yeah. And uh, is there anything folks because I, I don't want to spend our whole time on the show um because right. i'm hoping i mean i love the show and I, i'm going to see the show i'm gonna be there on, on on the 19th um but also i want people to hear some other things <laughs> about right. your world in our time that we talk but is there anything that you would suggest to people or or to potential uh guests you know to prepare themselves for the experience anything that you would ask them to do or or to think about before they come into the room um uh, one thing to know is that we will have uh, we will have support in the room for anybody who you know what I'm saying may need to talk to somebody or whatever because you will be triggered for sure. Um, and um, I think I think a lot of people come in being afraid, afraid of it. You know what I mean? Afraid of the topic, afraid of what's possible in a lot of ways. And that's the one thing you know with being here and talking to different folks about it, where some people have just run away. Like, why would you talk about that? You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, have an open mind. You know, I, I would say that. And, you know, self-care all day. Self-care all day. You know, make sure you're taking care of yourself. Make sure you're in a, you know, pretty good space. And whether it's a meditation or, you know, whatever, whatever that is, um, you know, I would, I would say that, mm. right. you know. So, um, but the last thing, I'll, last thing I will say about this tricky project in general is, you know, the third component that we've been doing is a inner monologue sneaker art project. And so I took, uh, I took 10 kids from across Portland and, um, you know, helped them write a monologue about, um, manhood and resiliency and, you know, what it's like to live this zoom life. Cause nobody's asking them and then what it's like to be black and Brown, uh, during this time, you know, of the, of the BLM in Portland. And so uh, we're able to do that. And uh, also three words to define them. And then um, this, uh, we did three, three weeks virtual. And then this last Saturday, we had our final event. And, um, you know, we wrote about resiliency and stuff. And then we wrote those three words 
um, on a uh, mini custom um, Jordan shoe as a political act, but also so they mm-hmm. could uh, they could control the narrative. People want to look at them and make judgments about who they think they are, mm-hmm. and the kids were able to write write on their shoes so people know who they are. Mm. And uh, it was really you know really powerful to have them do that. Um, and so we did that uh, in front of um, a uh, sneaker therapy um, that I call it um, uh, mural. Uh, we decorated the community space next door um, with with a huge banner and on the side. You had to come check it out. It's, it's bananas because um, that was my first form of therapy, mm-hmm. sneaker therapy. And I talk about it a little bit in the show too. So okay, well. One, so that's is that uh is it in a public space? The the, the yes, piece is up. It's is in it a public a... space. It's being displayed right now in the community space, uh, right next to the playhouse. So okay, it's so up it's now. Up, it's up There's lights on it. It's dark right now. Light. It's lit up at night. Okay. Like it's you can't you can't miss. Can't it. miss it. All right, I'm going to pull up when I when I get to holler at you. Then to take a look. So you mentioned you've mentioned a couple times sneaker therapy, and I don't want you to to tip anything that that's in the performance, but. Um, I can, I have I can imagine you know what I mean as somebody who has professed themselves to be somewhat of a sneakerhead and mm-hmm. and 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 I, I always like to frame for myself I, I I'm not a sneaker person on the level like I can name every shoe that was like people like right. that was the the so and so seventeen I'd be like I'm sorry y'all I, I don't want to fail the test or nothing but I know the sneakers right. I, I enjoyed over my time and That's I right. understand the uh, the profound joy of getting. And having a fly pair of sneakers, no know, question. especially as a, as a young person, because it's one of those few things you might be able to, you know, get your moment of like, hey, man, y'all see me in these, you see me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, where, where is, can you give us a little bit about like, about the sneaker, that, like the, the, like how you, how sneakers played a role in your own, you know, sense of healing and, and, and yeah. finding some joy in life or some of the. Yeah, yeah. Highlights. Well, I mean, basically, yeah. Well, basically when I was, you know, looking back and, you know, John and I were writing, and stuff and you know this started off as just the other character ishmael character mm-hmm. and he came to me and he said you know i need i need your i need i need you to be in this show and i had already been writing and so through that process i started thinking about it like well how the you know how the heck did this all this sneaker stuff happen like and then it hit me that i was um you know, gym class, whatever, didn't have a shoe, shoe to wear or whatever. It was too small, blah, blah, blah. So my teacher gave me a pair of Nikes. And it was one of, on my worst day. I was really feeling terrible about when the abuse had kind of started and whatever. I was feeling awful. And I put on the shoes and I had one of my best, you know, one of my best games. You know what I'm saying? And like, all of a sudden I felt better, you know, somehow I felt secure and, and stuff like that and grounded you know, in these pair of Nikes. And um, after that, uh, you know, I kept trying to to get that same feeling, to feel grounded, mm. you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, and always having, you know, being able to put a shoe on your feet, you know, you know, you always feel a little bit better about it. So, you know, when I started, you know, working in high school and things like that, started buying shoes and, and stuff that I could afford, you know, um, and then was working in the industry for a little bit. So I was getting shoes all the time. So like, mm-hmm. you know, so it just, you know, it started to really swell and, you know, of course it gave me a sense of sense of style and things like that. But, you know, um, you know, I'm almost a different person 
you know, playing sports, you know what I mean? Play soccer, play basketball and stuff like that. D1 athlete and everything. And, um, you know, there was something about I could defend myself in a way that I couldn't during the abuse. Mm-hmm. When I had shoes on and I played sports, you know what I'm saying? You go into right. the court, I wore whatever I wanted. I didn't care. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Being a little skinny dude trying to play ball with dudes that are six five and six four. And um I played bigger. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was like, like I said, I felt like, you know, I felt so powerful that it, there wasn't anything that I felt like I couldn't, you know, that I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, playing the one on offense on the defense, you know. You got a guard to do to six five and six four. What you're gonna do? You're gonna fight through, um, and uh, you know, get in there and make it happen. So it kind of became, you know, it became, you know, part of my identity in terms of, you know, getting different types of shoes that no one yeah. else was gonna wear. I was gonna wear them and didn't care. Right. Um, but off the, you know, but off the court and stuff, um, I just always felt better. You know what I'm saying? And you know, when you get a fresh pair, it's like. They felt, you know, you get that same feeling. You know, at my height, I had 100, you know, I had 100 by my bed in rotation. That was just rotation. You know, I say it in the show, sneakers are like loose change in my house. Legitimately. You. Like, it was like, <laughs> like, for real, like, you look under the, you know, you look and you say, oh, man, I need uh, this. You know, I oh, there's a shoe. There's a pair of shoes. <laughs> yeah, what's in this uh, box? In between, you're exactly. In between, right, right. In between the, you know. In between the mattress and stuff like that is oh my god look I found a pair oh man I found a pair of shoes word you know it was you know it's like you know when you reach into a pocket and you find a hundred dollar bill like that's legitimately how it was I'd be like oh dang I forgot about these jakes <laughs> and so um you know it was just really trying to understand it but it mm-hmm. swelled to um not just you know not just sneakers but then it went to the promotional stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then it was like, you know, I have to, you know, my mother was a big hairdresser, whatever. I cut hair. And so I ended up having the Nike barbershop. You know what I'm saying? So I have all these rare artifacts and stuff that most people don't have. I got a Jordan light box. I'm like 89 or something crazy. Like, you know, like it started really swelling to that, to that level. And then it turned into a sneaker boutique, you know? So it's, it's, it's always been part of me. And, you know, it was crazy when I really figured out you know, where it came from. And, um, you know, I still love it and whatever, but it's not the same that I've, you know, try to come to deal with the abuse. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't have to feel that. I don't have to feel that, that void. Um, however, I do know how to put on the right pair of shoes if I'm not feeling that great on a day. Indeed. Indeed. Is there, so is there any shoe and I always, I'm not good with the top five. I don't really like making people pick, that oh, sort of so, thing. But yeah. what is, cause I have one for me and I'll share mine. Is there a shoe that you have had somewhere along the line that you're like, you like either for whatever reason, you know, the, the one you had wore out, you know, somebody got you for the shoe. I don't know. Is there a shoe that you had? And if you could get that shoe back, it, it would just, it would be, it would just be, it'd be up there in, in terms of at least, at least a good, good couple days of fun. You know what I'm saying? If you was able to yeah. come across it. I mean, to be honest with you, like, you know, my wife, you know, by accident, she was cleaning my room when we first met and she mm-hmm. threw out a pair of Puma Clydes that I had mm-hmm. and she threw out one of my Jordan 3s. And so I have one. So, like, 
I have one. You got the one shoe. <laughs> I have the one shoe, which is still bananas that I have the one shoe. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> but I would say probably that. But I, I mean, but I, I ended up getting another pair of threes. I know I can get a pair. You know, kind of get a Work pair of out. slides. Yeah. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? You can so put it like, together. Yeah, I could put it. You know, I can put it together. I mean, like I said, being in the industry a little bit, I've been blessed. I can't say that I'm like, oh, I want to get this one. You know, like people talk about the, you know, the the first Yeezys that Nike had or whatever. I'm like, eh. mm-hmm. you know, this. I mean, there's not one shoe right now that I can say that, like, I'm hunting for. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is which is which is bananas to think about. But maybe that's just because of what's in storage. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll say it sounds like you know, you 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 have a, a collection that gives a sense of security and structure that you can you can trust that you'll find something that you enjoy. I mean, the shoe, I'll share that um and I feel like so the Agassi Hirachis um Mm. 90 in 93 94 mm. with the with the with the, the sparklies like in the mm. back on the hill yeah had a great time with those shoes man me and those shoes, nice did some things man we, we oh yeah yeah, yeah. Trips, we graduated high school we had a great time mm-hmm. you know what i mean and right somehow i got them i think right when you know uh, i tell my son is on time because like, i grew like two inches after high school so like i got mm-hmm. to 511 and then i grew two more inches and something happened with my feet the name event I couldn't fit my shoes no more, and and I and it's, it's just never really. I, I I haven't. I don't feel like that they don't sell them anymore. I don't see them anywhere, and it's just that would be the shoe. And I don't yeah. even know how much I would wear them because the problem I have with sneakers now is sometimes I don't always. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't get as much time to use them <laughs> as I'd like to. <laughs> and, right. And, and, and my body has started doing things where I have to be uh like well I can I like those shoes I can't really wear those for more than about. An hour and a half, two hours for my money, my, my foot's gonna hurt. So right. I gotta, you know, bear witness to that. But that would be a shoe that I hold a uh, fine, you know, fine. Yeah. For, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can find anything on eBay. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. You find, and they brought, a, you know, they brought back a lot of those '90s, a lot of those '90s shoes and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. you know, that I, I definitely think that's something that you know you could find and put a double inner sole in and be good. Oh, that's the secret. The secret <laughs> is that you may have to put another intersole in it to, to not make them as flat. Ah, uh, see. And that you know that helps out. That helps out with, uh, with how it fits on your support. Mm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So exactly. when when you're working with the youth on the monologues, did they mm-hmm. did y'all get to have any conversations? I always, I feel like young people obviously they like sneakers a lot, but I always wonder. Like, how do you feel like the sneaker culture is something that still has a really good root in youth? Because with the price sneakers cost, sometimes I'd be worried that the kids are kind of like, eh, I like them, but I don't really like them that much. Like, how are the, what are the, what's their energy around this? From the, re, the resale game, the resale game is, is just ruined everything. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really no culture, like how it really, like how it really was, stuff like that. Um, but you know, and it's true. The, the prices stuff are crazy, but you know, they look at them like, Hey, I got these or whatever, but I could sell them and make some more money. Mm. You know, they're in them, but they, they know if they get two pairs, there's going to be some fool in another part of the country that's going to pay you double for them. Right, right. You know what I mean? So that's, it's, you know, instead of slinging rocks, kids are slinging shoes. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what it's become in a lot of ways to restore some status and, and, and things like that for sure. But we talked about it. And I told him don't buy shoes, to be honest. I was like, yeah, I mean, because the quality, I'm like, in two years, they're going to turn yellow. And then what? Right. You know what I mean? You pay two, you have to 150, 200 dollars for you, and that'd be worth 50. <laughs> so like you know educate yourself and you know invest your money wisely buy stocks you know what mm-hmm. i mean that's what i tell them I say look buy some stocks they'll last you a lot longer um research know what companies are hot and things like that get into business that way um you know because the sneakers are not going to last you know i can have a, you know i've had a pair you know for 20 years you know in a box and uh in a climate control environment and um i can still wear them out uh these shoes now five years maybe mm. they're not going to be what they're not going to they're not made to last right. right you know what i'm saying dudes that's what dudes don't understand they are not made to last that is just not what it was back when they made them sturdy because they wanted to make them sturdy they weren't sure that people were going to actually really collect them they weren't right. sure how long it was going to last but the materials were, were just was just so much stronger Mm. um you know so that's that's the one thing all these kids they can they can have this collection and it's gonna be it's gonna be you know it's gonna disintegrate yeah. you know before, before 2025 right 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 so it's i think it's uh you know in a in a in this time with the way like we can get a lot of things like you said you can get if you want something bad enough you can find it right but it's you know that lesson that sometimes you get what you ask for and you're like oh exactly. oh like this oh, this 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 is what I got like yeah that's, that's right that's your old right. shoe enjoy right. <laughs> right no question there's no you know there's no question about it and uh, you know things are things are coming back you mm-hmm. know like even look you know basketball cards if you have any basketball cards from when you were younger you could be a millionaire legitimately. Like this, you know what I'm saying? Like someone, somebody the other day, I was looking up, my man was like, oh, look at the cards. They're coming back. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm looking at cards. And it's like a card from like Larry Bird's rookie card or something crazy. $80,000. Wow. $80, for the card. You know, I guess it's like a three, it's like a three card that has like him magic. And I think uh, Dr. J, Julius mm-hmm. Irving, and it's that much. Wow. And like, cool. what? <laughs> like, are you, like, are you kidding me? You know what I'm saying? No, Forget the, what the Jordan card, the Jordan card, Jordan card went for over a million. Oh, yeah, right. He went right, went over a million. But anybody, Cole, of course, the Colby card is going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, and that goes, the comic books will come back too. Yeah. You know, the comebacks come, but the trading cards, baseball cards, tops cards, I mean, that's been gone for, for a little while. They still make them, but the kids haven't been into it, and the kids are back into them right now, and the parents are, like, you know, going down the basement trying to find stuff because, you know, they can pay for college for the kids Yeah, yeah. in one car. Yeah, I'm at the dig. Uh, I, got a, I got an old card collection. I was doing, for a hot minute, football cards trying to do basketball cards and then I was trying to venture into baseball and, and I enjoy baseball as a sport to like participate in, but right. I wasn't, I just never, I don't know. I couldn't, 
I couldn't get into it. You know what I'm saying? On a, watching it and tracking it. In any event, I bought this. Uh, I bought some cards though from another peer. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get started. I'm gonna make my baseball collection. So, so I have a bunch of cards at my mama house. Um, actually, oddly enough, they're in a safe, which is it's hilarious. But it's only because we got this giant. It's a long story, but there's a giant. There's a safe, <laughs> and the cards are in there. And I'm a some point go somebody look. I'm sure you're gonna get me for some of these. But this is found money, as far as I'm concerned. Take a look. <laughs> Give oh, me, write me a check. It's yours, man. If you go make, if you go make fifty percent off what I bought it. Hey, man, more power to you. But I can maybe, you know, take care of something. I can, you know, put something, sock something away from my nephew. Look, yeah. I'm telling you right now, it, <laughs> you sitting, on, you sitting on a lot right now. You might be able, to, you might be able to get a house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Like, man, so like how you serious. turn that John Concat card into a into an opportunity? For real, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling I'm you. Like I was like, I found out when we were out here. I was like, what? Yeah. We going we going My wife and we were do, my wife and I were doing it together. I was like, honey, those cards. She was like, Keith, you have to put this in a plastic. We got put like, it. Okay. You gotta get I was like, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Now I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yes, she was right. Yeah. She was absolutely positively right. Because as soon as I get home, I'm going right in. I'm going right in and seeing exactly what we have and whatever. And hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna strike while the while while the, the you know the iron is hot. hot. Yeah, you gotta get hot. on it. You know, if I got two, if I got three, I'm selling two, and I'll keep one. Yeah. So there's a couple of things I was thinking about. One, want to pivot to you brought up your wife and um and her. The role, and so I got to listen to, I didn't get to listen to all of the episodes that are up of the podcast, but I got to get into a couple of them. And and the first thing I wanted to share, just as a, a reflection, you know, and even part of why I like started trying to do this podcast, because I, I think there's a therapeutic value to, for people hearing people, I think there's a specific therapeutic value for black and brown people to hear ourselves talk yes. about just about anything but especially anything that is, you know, somewhat positive or at least it's a truth. And I think hearing you two talking to each other, um, and even in the first ep where he was that says like, well, I've never really done a podcast. I'm not really sure how, what I'm supposed to, how I'm supposed to talk. Kind of like she's just like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do in here. Right. But I think that there's something, there's something that's there that's important. Um, was there any particular like setup or conversations that y'all had, you know, before you started recording or did you all just jump in? Like, what was your approach to trying to start working on it as a couple? Look, man, I was like, just like this. I said, babe, I got this idea. We're going to do a podcast it's called Living a Triggered Life. And we're going to talk about what it's like to be in a relationship, be us being triggered and being survivors and whatever. So we're recording on Monday. That was Thursday. That was it. And I said, so I set up the studio time and whatever, and we went in, mm -hmm. and you saw what happened. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, legit, <laughs> like legitimately, that is, and I'm like, you're brilliant. Like, boo, you're brilliant. I just need you to be you. And so I started asking her questions and stuff like that. And then you saw she just came alive and, and whatever, and it's just been kicking it ever since. So um, we didn't think about like topics we wanted to talk about and stuff in a basic sense. But besides that, there was nothing scripted. This is a hundred percent. You well, you've talked, you've talked to me before, you know, it's a hundred percent honest and a hundred percent authentic. We're not putting on 
any show or whatever, we are honestly having, you know, these real conversations. Um, and uh, we'll drop another one on the 20th. Uh, but we have 18 that we've done. Um, okay, wow. That are already, yeah, that are already in the can and stuff. And, we, you know, with the pandemic and stuff, there was just so much crap out there that I've been holding them a little bit. But we mm-hmm. now need to be on a regular schedule. So every, every you know, the 20th, we'll drop, we'll drop another one. Um, and uh, we've even, you know, processed lives. Like right now we're talking about how we met. Mm-hmm. But then we skip. You know, we actually have to go back in and finish that because there was something that was happening between us. Mm-hmm. And I was like on the way to record. And I was like, don't say anything else. Don't talk to me. Mm. I want you, we're going to talk about this on the podcast. Mm. And she just looked at me. And so we, we really break down something that was happening for her. And then my reaction to that. Mm. And so um, that was, you know, that was bananas, you know, cause she's a hundred percent honest about how she felt in that moment. And I was really trying to like, so like what happens, like, why, why did this, how did you, what happened that you felt like this and, and whatever. And so um, those are unique opportunities that, you know, we've kind of noticed and have just been like, you know what, we're going to talk about that for real. But mm-hmm. we know that, that, that there's a possibility that through our dialogue that we can help somebody else, that somebody else can relate, you know, another couple can relate to this. Um, and possibly, you know, find some peace or mm-hmm. understand that they're not alone. Cause it's the stuff that people don't, people just don't, people don't just talk about it. Right. You think about movies and things like that. It's always sewn up in a bow or it's always a certain way, but you know, very rarely is there, you know, there's films and stuff where black folks are having child problems and they got to work through it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was thinking you know that was, even though well, I do know one movie by the name of Confused by Love on Amazon Prime, that movie right there, you know what I'm saying? Like they're, you know, that is, uh, they definitely are working through some things. Mm. And if, if, I, if I remember correctly, you're a performer in that, that particular piece of creativity. Yes, I am. All right. Um, can you give us a, a, a little bit about, you know, the movie or is that, you know, that all right to share to share on it, or yeah, should we just go course, look for no it? Let's, let's no, no, no. I haven't done, got to check it out yet. Yeah, we've been on. It's on Amazon Prime. It's it's uh, directed by a cat uh, out of Boston by the name of Crosby Tatum. Uh, written by him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of the producers. Uh, we shot it in six days, um, for you know about as much as uh, a cart on set for at at Tyler Perry Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, is how we usually like to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about uh, a couple who is down on their luck, trying to find out their house is going to be foreclosed. And uh, for the weekend, uh, my character, best friend comes with my old girl and they try to help us save our house. So um, that's what it's about. Um, it's a, you know, it's not a whole bunch of swears in it, a whole bunch of craziness in it or anything like that, but, um, it's, it's a pretty cool movie. It's about 70 minutes. So it's not too, too, too you know, too, too long. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been to film festivals with it. I've been to France, 
uh, part of the uh, umbrella of the Cannes Festival. Uh, we were in the, the Pan African Film Festival and stuff like that. So we've had some we've had some pretty cool success with it. All right. Um, so, but it's not a film. It's not a film that um, that's a traditional. You know, it is a traditional black film, but the fact that these these characters are working through, uh, and accepting some of the some of the flaws that their partners have mm-hmm. yeah, is nah. different. Well, I, I, and I think that there's a what I was was on my my head before you shared was um I think in our community we I mean you know from the blues to jazz to even uh, the the subject matter of hip hop you know um, mm-hmm. a lot of our writing we we I think we more engage the idea that there can be an end to a story that isn't necessarily like a good or a bad, but it's like, that's the end of that story. Like that's the end of that arc of information. It is what it is. Yeah. Right. And the idea that, uh, everything has to end with, you know, some particular note. Um, and I remember years ago, me and my, my wife, my partner, we were, um, we went on this run of watching these movies that were, um, movies that were made in China. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one, uh, it's like it's called the bicycle or something. It was this mm-hmm. of movies. They were all had these really, I mean, straight up. I mean, to me, they like they were like sad in this. It was like the one dude, he just kept getting beat up. And like, and then like you you kept waiting for the American, like he triumphs. Right. And like my man never triumphed. Like he just right. he just kept taking the L. And it was right. like and I, and, and at first I was like, I was like, I don't really know how. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. You know what I mean? Now later right. I was just like, well, look, why am I so convinced that everything should end happily? Right. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to come to the mutual agreement that this isn't going well. Yeah. You know, make this decision, make that decision or right. an untenable situation. And um, so I always think the, it, when I see art that gives a space for, there's a place where the people involved have come to an understanding and right. I need to get okay with where they're at. Like Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's the, right. That's the whole thing. Like, you know, at the end of the movie, whatever, why are you staying where I am? He's a dog. That was a dog, whatever. But like, if it seemed like whether we thought as an audience member, whether it was going to work or not, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Right. All Mm -hmm. that matters is that they got to a place where they think it's going to work. Right. And that's, and that's always, you know, something in marriage or whatever. It's always like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, find what works with, with you and your partner and don't tell nobody else. (laughs) (laughs) that's us honey what we do what we do is what we do you know what i mean (laughs) you know in a lot of ways because and at the end of the day that's you know those are the only two people that matter Mm -hmm. with how you with how you figure out you know how your union goes Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying of course the man upstairs of course but you know otherwise like I can't judge I can't judge anybody for what they do and what works in their relationship. Indeed. It's not my Indeed. responsibility. You know what I'm saying? That that's not that's not for me to do. It's like, oh, if that well, if that works for them, yeah. Okay. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. you know, but that's hard, that's hard for people to kind of understand in, in some ways. You know, as long as it's healthy and whatever, but still, people yeah. are gonna do whatever they're gonna do. And you know, if they're happy and it, it works, and yeah. you know. Well, I think that sometimes, um, and even in, in if you, you you scour the social media, sometimes you can get a a sense from people either looking back to a structure of how like oh our our parents 
relationships you know, went this way. Our grandparents did right. these things. And and there's also an aspect in those relationships where one I, I like to remind people, you you ain't really you, you ain't really know what your grandma and grandma was like really like. Like you knew them as your grandma and grandma, grandpa. Right. You ain't know them as like Lisa and Clo- Clovis who met each right. other somewhere and, and, and decided they wanted to kick it. You know what I'm saying? And whatever they had going on, like people made decisions at different points in that relationship and decided Look. to stick in it or whatever. Look. Yeah, I mean, like it gets, it gets, it, it ain't like you think it might've been. And, and No, uh, no. You find that when somebody passes and you start cleaning up them drawers, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Them bureaus. <laughs> and you start finding things, you're like, what's going on, Grandma? Grandpa, y'all what? You know, and stuff like that. So, Talk about, the, well, like, who's this in this picture? Like, oh, that, that's just my friend from, right. like, you're, all right, that's cool. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me close that chapter of the book before I find out something I will need to know. <laughs> Man, um, I'm just watching the time on it because I know you've been working, so I don't want to hold you too, too late into the evening. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you two things. And then okay. maybe start to whack because I won't, you know, I'm, you know, you gotta rest and relax. And this is, might be a pivot. It wasn't one I thought about, but can you share a little bit about the um, what it's like working on something with your partner? You know what I'm saying? Like, how is mm-hmm. that? Like, is that how's that been? Like, what's that experience like being creative with your partner yeah. uh, and doing this um, kind of work together? Yeah. No. I mean. That's, that's, thank you for asking that. Um, it's been one of the joys, to be perfectly honest with you, um, having her be involved, you know, in, in part of this. And I try to call her in when I need her, you know what I mean, for certain things. I don't try to lean on her too much. But the fact that she has a certain expert, expertise, um, you know, around, uh, you know, because she's a psychotherapist and understanding the brain and how people react and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's important in terms of when we're thinking about multisensory and the show, mm-hmm. right? So the director and I, we can go to her and go, so what about, what do you want us to be, you know, what, 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 should we, what should we be thinking about? And so we can go to her and have that conversation. Um, but also having her lead the talk back, like it's invaluable. You know, mm-hmm. she does such a great job. Um, and uh, that is great. And uh, we're still, I mean, this is the first time she's actually been, I've been other places before and kind of done things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she um, has not. And um, so this is different, mm-hmm. right? Now she's out to start to really see tech and stuff like that. And so we have to work that out. You know, yeah, certain yeah. times when, when, you know, she's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, I'm at work. Ooh, I can't. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can't handle that right now. You know what I'm saying? So, we like, so we, you know, there's some stuff with that that we have to work out in terms of what time I need. Because some things she never saw before. So we're working, you know, we're working that out. Um, but it's really great, to be honest with you. It's been, it's been a joy. Um, and it's not like we get sick of each other with doing this and, and stuff. Because we do understand that it's bigger than us. Mm-hmm. bigger than us but we've always been able to work together you know what i mean when i was in the industry and working in a store and whatever like she was my you know running a store sports store she was my she was my lead cashier part-time you know what i'm saying but no yeah. nepotism no nothing like we've always been able to maintain a professional uh, relationship to the point that some people didn't even know we were together oh that's nice that's you know what nice. i'm saying like like yeah like we were like no we if we're gonna do this We've seen other people do it another way. We're not going to do it that way. Right. And, um, I, it's, it is, I'm very lucky and blessed um, 
you know, to have her as part of this, part of this journey, you know, there's certain times when I can lean on her, um, you know, and that's invaluable. Um, and it's not something that I take for granted either. That's how, that's how special it is. I don't take it. I don't take it for granted. It's a, it's a great thing, but I try to make sure to put, you know, boundaries in place, um, at certain times, you know, cause that's just, that's just important. You know what I'm saying? I can't, <laughs> be like hey baby can i have a hug like that you know what i'm saying like that's baby, baby baby we need to take a break real quick why i need right. a hug you know what i'm saying i just need a moment i just need one of these yeah you know i can't do that <laughs> everybody else just to hold on so i can give her a hug like, that's not gonna work you know what i'm saying like i gotta wait i gotta yeah. wait to that appropriate time yeah well i mean i think it's beautiful when people can when folks uh partners can bring parts of their world and their, their, their works yes. together, you know, to yes. something that's meaningful to both parties. I always think that that right. is a, a beautiful thing. Right. That's one. And to that's something we that. wanted to do too. That's something we want. We're always looking for how to, how to, how to have art and, and how it, uh, how we can intersect that with, you know, social work and use it as a learning tool and, and, and things like that. So yeah. when we, you know, uh, stumbled upon this, it seemed like it was perfect for us to, to work together on it. Word, word. So um, I want to ask one other thing, and then we'll start to wind down. Um, so you were from Boston, you yes. know, originally, and I think I think, and I might be wrong, but I think sometimes um, being black from someplace like Boston, like if you're black from Boston, I'm sure everybody that's black in Boston is very familiar with being black and being from Boston. Mm-hmm. But I think other people that are not and have never right. been to Boston, or, right. or, or as I as happens to me, I'm from New Jersey. I went to school in Pittsburgh and to Mm -hmm. some people, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, New Jersey are all next to each other. And I'm like, those are actually wildly different places. Right. No (laughs) question about it. So is there something? And then if there's any, if anything, folks go, well, Bobby Brown and new edition of them, they from Boston. And then, then depending on where you at with hip hop, you got Ed OG and the Bulldogs. And then, you know, and then maybe Benzino, they might, they might bring up Benzino. They might not. I don't know. (laughs) if they will or if they should and I don't want to get you into no trouble so I'm just saying for the record you know what I'm saying I said that you know what I'm saying just put it no out no there. no it's no it's fine <laughs> and so let me let me also clarify too is is that I'm from the Boston area let me be clear you Word know up. what I'm saying peace, I'm peace, from peace. Cambridge I'm from Cambridge That's you know me. what I'm saying where Patrick Hughes grew up and things like that was always running in Boston and stuff like that so um you know I don't want to lie you know I what I'm saying? And stuff like you. that and whatever. And, you know, Matt Damon and those guys say, I'm from Boston. You're not from Boston. You're from Cambridge. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why that can mean something different for folks. But I've been in Boston doing more than enough stuff that, you know, if there's someone from, from the area right now may not even know I'm from Cambridge. They mm. may not even know that. You know right. what I'm saying? So, but no, most definitely, like, Boston definitely has, a, you know, a stigma. And I think it became, you know, uh, when there were basketball games and stuff like that, when they just showed just down the bottom of the of you know of the garden, garden. and, and mm-hmm. things like that, there was nothing but white people. But there was a lot of black people up in up in the rafters, mm-hmm. and so you never saw them. And so that's why people thought there was no there was no black people in Boston. And there's a lot of black people in Boston. There's a lot of West Indians in Boston. Better believe that I'm I'm Beijing myself. So, mm-hmm. um, and um, there's a lot of rich history. You know, even some people say. We out here and there's all these Celtics fans out here. I was like, why are all these Celtics fans? They were like, because they had the first black people. Now, that's a different perspective when you live in Boston. You're like, oh, those are just white teams. You're like, no, 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 no. Bill Russell and the rest of the crew, those were black dudes. 
Yes, right. they talked about Albuquerque steals the ball and all the rest <laughs> of that stuff. But like right. the main dudes, the main dudes were black dudes. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Even when Bird was there, it was still mad black dudes and then make it happen. DJ, right. DJ Parrish. Yeah, but nah, most of the time people do not think there's any, there's not a, a serious black presence in Boston. And there is um, very segregated and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's funny that you talked about, you know, Benzino and, and, and stuff. But I think the accent turns a lot of people off, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. And that's also part of the stigma. Mm-hmm. Is the accent is ugly. Like, it, like, I'm sorry, but it is. When you hear it other places, you're like, come on. Like, you're really going to talk like this? Like, come on. Like the Pats or the Celtics. Like, really? Like, it's like, come on. Like, you know, what the block, you know, what the bleep bleep. Like, like, ah, and stuff. Like, it's not, it's not cute. Right. And it's not cute on Black folks. So that just turns people off, you know, entertainment-wise and, and everything else. Um, if you don't have it, I don't have it. So I can do it, but I don't have it. And so people accept you a little bit more. Um, and, you know, even out here, you know, I've had a little more acceptance, I think, because I don't have it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And people are yeah. like, you know, you kind of have an East Coast vibe, but then you can kind of don't. Like, I just kind like. Trying to figure out where to place you. They're like, uh, Yeah, they're trying to write. You know, people know. do in Portland, they give you the ones, like, are you full yeah. of it? And then they wait. And they go, no, wait. Are you full of shit? And then they wait. And they go, all right, you okay. Yeah, you, you cool. I'm gonna listen to you a little bit more. Yeah. All right, you're good. Like you know that whole that whole process. Absolutely. And, you know, like it's a little extra process than it is, you know, other places, I feel like. But once yeah. people open up their arms, man, the love is the love is crazy. So thank you, you know, thank you, you know, and the fellas for showing me love, man. I do not take that for granted at all. Oh, um, right, right. You know what I mean? Like I don't, you know. That is, that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, being able to be, you know, accepted in some circles out here, man, like that's, that's special because it doesn't happen. I got friends who've been there for 10 years and I've been able to roll places and talk to people that they have, that they have no idea about. Mm. You know what I'm saying? People here that don't even know about Poshon. Like, what sense does that make? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, as all cities, they have their they have their ways, and yes. yeah, you know I mean, and I think it's that's a. I mean, we we, we talk more as <laughs> offline about the, the the deep inner nature of the, you know, I have a whole theory about you know this city and this space, but mm-hmm. I think um, you know, and the reason I wanted to elevate that, and and I appreciate you for bringing up because I always said this, like, for black people, um, and 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 it, within the context of the diaspora. Like it's real important that people are specific about where you from, right? right? Like, and and it's not a it's 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 it, you know it, it's a thing that's important so that people know that you that you you're where you're rooted, how you get down a little bit, but also that that there's appropriate respect that you know right you know when I say I'm from New Jersey, that's where I'm from. Specifically within New Jersey, I'm from Trenton and Willingboro. <laughs> I'm saying I was born in Trenton and I grew up in Willingboro most of my I life. Know about Trenton. You know what I'm saying? And if you know yeah. about Trenton, you know, and, and, and I remember the day when I went to college and I had to say, you know, but where you from? And I was once because I was so used to growing up in Willingboro saying I'm from Trenton because that's where I was from. But once I left Willingboro, I had to be from Willingboro. I couldn't be from Trenton no mm. more. I had to be from Trenton, second place. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And 
those ideas, you know, for some communities, they're just like, no, I'm from Philadelphia. I'm like, no, right. Burroughs, 15 minutes from Philadelphia. It ain't Philadelphia. And I don't want it to be Philadelphia. Right. Philadelphia is <laughs> Philadelphia. Now I love the Delaware Valley. And it's, you know, it's right. like, I have many a great joke about that being the place <laughs> that my folks have, have strolled for many a year, but it's important right. that people know where you're from. And, and so right. I appreciate that. And I, and I, my hope with this show, this podcast is always to elevate that we have many places that we walk, but we right. we actually have a lot of common ground and common love and joy. Um, right. So I'm going to start winding us down. And these last three questions are things you can answer long, you can answer them short. It's up to you. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And um, right. the first one I always ask is, what's a value or a principle that you try to move with um, as you operate and go through the world? Um, August Wilson, you got to get right with yourself before you get right with anybody else. Peace. Great. Um, relationships, broadly defined, what's something that you understand now that you may not have understood as a younger man? Um, the importance, uh, the importance of, mm -hmm. the importance of, mm. and listening more than you talk. I like that. I'm just gonna let that one let that melon marinate for a second, and then I'm gonna I'm close this out on what's just something that's really important to you right now. Like, what's just something that's at the top of the heart, top of the mind? Um, self care, being authentic as much as possible, and um, telling my truth to help other people. You know what I'm saying? I think that's those are those are the things that are on my mind um, and that lead me, um, you know, every day is what led me to led me to come here um, and, you know, meet you and the fellas and, 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 and stuff like that. I, I just feel like, um, you know, this is this is the place that I'm supposed to be right now. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, people always talk, you know, people, some people have said like, why are you coming to Portland? You know, why Portland? You know, and, you know, why work with the kids from Portland? And, you know, I've said it before is, you know, I feel like, you know, black, black and brown folks' voices have been silenced here the most across the country. And um, it's important. And there's a lot of healing that needs to be done here. And the work has led me here. But, you know, the, the fact that I have the opportunity to amplify the voices of young people young black and brown males here is huge. They're not used to, from what, I've, from what I've experienced, they're not even used to having the opportunity. They had to get used to the opportunity. Like, no, like, you wanna hear what I have to say? Like we had to practice getting them to feel comfortable to be empowered to say who they are and how they wanna be viewed. You know, and, um, you know, that's, that's, that, that is incredibly important. Um, and, uh, you know, something that, uh, I want to do more of here. Like, I don't feel like this is a drive by, like, that's not who we are. You know, we've been coming back and forth here. You know, my wife's childhood friend is here. One of my other, my other homies is here and a new homies here. So, um, we feel like, you know, partnering with 
you know, Portland and people in Portland, like this is just the beginning of, of a relationship. This is just beginning of, of the work. Um, and we're excited and blessed. Well, Keith, thank you. Um, thank you for coming on and sharing a, a bit of your story. Uh, I will make sure to let folks know again, uh, one is the triggered life, um, a requiem for healing. Um, is the, yep. the, that's the full name of the, of the yes. play the, mm-hmm. on the multi sensory multimedia experience. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, yes. but also, um, Take out, check out the podcast. I will put links uh, in the show notes so you can folks can find uh, the podcast. Um, awesome. Hopefully, at some point, you know, public health and everything else that we'll get a chance to meet, you know, to hang out in a, in a more robust way when you're in the city right. and also yeah, you, know, you and that. your wife. But in anything, man, much success. And I look for I will be in the show on the 19th um, awesome. as an attendee. And um, actually, I've got some extra tickets. So I'm going to give some tickets to some family, try oh, and get great. them to participate uh, and check great. it out. And um, I appreciate you and I thank you, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. And you know what I'm saying? It's it's always good to talk to all that. No, oh, one love, one love. I appreciate <laughs> it. I'm going to say peace. I'm going to hit the... Thank you for listening to the Ask Your Old Head podcast with Justice Raji. Thank you to my guest, Keith Maskell. Uh, please, please, if you, um, you know, like I said, if you intrigued curious or you found anything in our conversation something that you want to go more or learn more please hit the links in the show notes look for the triggered1.com you can go right to uh keeps you know it's the website where where, where the core of the project lives in terms of you can find the podcast there you can find more about the story behind all of this um and jump in you know what i mean the play is playing at portland playhouse um since it's online i don't know if there's any restrictions if you somewhere else in the world and you want to you want to jump in you want to see see and experience it too like i said there's four affinity nights meaning a night centered for black and brown people you know what i'm saying to 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 be in our own space and own uh skin right there you know what i'm saying so to speak and um you know it's really really important um that we use art and creativity and and all our other disciplines to create the space for folks to learn to heal to talk um, so I, I ask you uh, to jump in. Um, in any event, Ask Your Old Head is a podcast created by me. And, um, you know, at its core, I'm about, you know, the well-being and the transfer of healthy sense of manhood, what it means to be a man in this, in this day and time. And um, I hope that you, you know, got something useful and healthy from our conversation. You can support the podcast by sharing, uh, by listening by um, subscribing and rating wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support by becoming a patron on Patreon. Uh, I'm not going to go super deep, but just search Ask Your Old Head, take a look at what it says, and jump on. I'm planning way, way more this year with this season of content, and um, hopefully um, you know, it'll be worth your investment. Um, at the minimum, though, you can always, like I said, share with a friend if you enjoy or take any value in what we're doing here and what I'm doing. And, um, you know, I'm going to keep on going and keep pushing. So with that, um, please be safe. Make good decisions. I mean, don't take no wood nickels. Don't spend your stimulus all in one place. You know what I'm saying? If you ain't got to. You know what I'm saying? But you got to pay down a bill, man. Handle that. Um, in any event, man, I love y'all. And be safe. Peace.